Welcome to the SMC 2021 podcast. What if God wanted to do something new in your life? This is your fresh start. Thanks everyone for tuning in. My name is Jacob Brown. I'm the director of Texas Stumo in Austin. I've been on staff for 10 years. My wife and I have worked for Stumo since we graduated from TCU. We currently have two kids. My daughter, Ella, just turned three, and my son, SJ, is seven months. Uh, He's a COVID child. was born during the pandemic. That was uh, nuts, to say the least. But uh, having kids has really made me realize how tough parenting is and how terrible I was as a child. I mean, I feel the weight of raising my kids to be functioning adults. Uh, But I always wonder if there was ever a point where my parents just wanted to call it quits with me, if they just wanted to throw the towel. I remember specifically calling my mom an a-hole when I was seven years old after soccer practice. I mean, imagine all that she had done for me up until seven years old. That's changing diapers, that's feeding me, that's... Uh, teaching me things that's driving me everywhere only to have a little snot-nosed seven-year-old call her a name that she knew I had no idea what it meant. Uh, I can't imagine how I would respond. Um, Probably inappropriately, my daughter went through a stage where she pointed at everything with her middle finger all the time and I laughed every single time. So I can only imagine if my daughter called me something, uh, I would probably laugh at her, not discipline her the way that she should. Um, But having two kids really makes me feel old. Uh, Like I'm no longer considered young by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I was with some of the guys that worked for me a few weeks ago, and we were looking at some old fraternity composites. And I pointed out that Guys that were in college in the 90s and early 2000s just looked a lot bigger than the guys in fraternities now. And I made the comment that I thought it was because of video games. That guys back then didn't play video They were outside. They were working out. They were just doing more. And these staff guys that worked for me looked at me and they just said, okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. I'm 32 years old. As if I'm so old and like picking on their generation. But it made me realize that I'm 13 years older than freshmen in college right now. Uh, And it made me think, hey, when did I become old? Was it having kids? Was it getting married? Like what was the line that I crossed that I became a grown up to where people could say, okay, boomer to me. And it's an insult because they consider me so much older and so much out of touch. It made me think, hey, when are my kids considered grown up? Will I be able to help them see when they are grown up, uh, when they are old enough to be considered adults? That made that scared me to realize that, man, I don't really have a clear idea of when I grew up. Did my parents have a clear idea of when I grew up? Will I have a clear idea of when my kids grow up? I can see how that could cause tension and frustration. You know, 90% of the time you'll ever spend with your parents is already behind you. Think about that. If you're fortunate, you'll have between 10 and 40 years left of your parents being alive, but it's only a fraction of the time you'll actually get to be with them in person compared to the previous 18 years of your life. So it can be confusing what role they should play in your life. Hey, if we're already confused about when we grow up, imagine how confusing it is uh, for your relationship with your parents. You know, right now, think about it. Are your parents still all up in your business? Are they making decisions for you? Do they feel distant uh, or, or disengaged? So on one hand, you've got, hey, they are kind of running my life. Or on the other side, hey, they aren't really even in my life. So whether you came into... Uh, this breakout session, having a great relationship with your parents or having one that's strained, my hope is that over the next few minutes, you'll find out what might be causing this uh, and how you can alleviate that strain, how you can actually have a better relationship with your parents uh, than you ever thought was possible. Now, no matter what current relationship is you have with your parents, 
there's a way that it can be better. Uh, and we're going to take steps uh, to make that happen. And so on your own right now, uh, if you're with some people, discuss this, or maybe you can do it as a personal reflection. I want you to think about these three questions. What do you currently love and respect about your parents? The second one is, what are some frustrations that you currently have with your parents? And the last one is, what do you think are frustrations that your parents might have with you? I'll say those again. What do you currently love and respect about your parents? What are some frustrations that you currently have with your parents? And what do you think are the frustrations that your parents might have with you? If you need more time, you can pause this recording, uh, but we're going to go ahead and move on. Uh, today we're going to look at the only passage in the scriptures that covered Jesus's life outside of him being a baby or a 30-year-old man. It's the only passage we have of him interacting with his parents while he was still living with them. So this was after he was a child and while he's preparing to be an adult. We're going to look at Luke 2, 41-52, starting in verse 41. Every year Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. So to put this in perspective, the Passover is the biggest religious holiday in the Jewish culture. Uh, they would spend almost a week there in remembrance of God saving the Jewish people from Pharaoh uh, in Egypt. This is back uh, in the book of Exodus, a story about Moses. So to give an idea of what this holiday was like, think a combination of Christmas and Easter and July 4th, meaning it's super spiritual but it's also a lot of national pride. It was required that all men uh, in Israel uh, needed to show up. And so the fact that both Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents, went uh, showed that, and from a cultural perspective, they had high character. Uh, they, they were really viewed as spiritual. This was a good thing. And so we can see just from this one pa passage that Jesus had really good parents. You see, he had his birth mom, and sort of a stepfather, and he had his real father, the scriptures would say, which was God. And so statistically speaking, probably 50% of the people listening to this audio have either a stepfather or a stepmother or both uh, because of the divorce rate in our country. And so if you've ever struggled with that, hopefully maybe it's comforting to know that Jesus had a similar dynamic. Jesus had a stepfather. I don't know if any of y'all ever processed that, but it's true. And so today, uh, millennials, which is y'all's generation, have all sorts of parents. Uh, Dr. Tim Elmore did a study on the relationships between um, kids that were born between 95 uh, and, and 2000 um, and their parents and uh, the relationship they have and how it related to their children's future success. And he came up with several types of parents. Now, as I read these descriptions, uh, know that your parents don't have to fit into one of these categories. In addition, uh, they might fit into uh, multiple of them. Um, but think through this and say, hey, do my parents, does this connect uh, with, with how my parents raise me? So the first category is what we call helicopter parents. Helicopter parents hover over their kids, making sure they get every imaginable advantage and are protected from most dangers. The problem with this type of parenting is that these parents don't allow their kids the privilege of learning how to fail or how to persevere. They prefer to prepare the path for the child instead of the child for the path. They feel it's up to them to ensure their child's life turns out well. These are the parents that are always hovering over their kids. Uh, it almost feels like the training wheels of life were never taken off. Um, it feels like you were always asking your parents permission rather than getting to make decisions on your own. That's a helicopter parent. Uh, the next type of parent is a similar uh, type uh, as, as the helicopter parent, but it's called the snowplow parent. It's parents that clear any and every obstacle facing their child. They're so protective that the children never face any potential of failure or danger. The problem is that the children never build up any sense of resiliency, so when things get tough, they melt, complain, or act out. These are the parents that would uh, do like your homework for you, or would type up your papers, or would routinely go and talk to your teachers or coaches uh, on your behalf. Those are snowplow parents. You have karaoke parents. These are the parents that want to sound, dress, act, and talk like their children. They hunger more to be like, the buddy of their kids and emulate the next generation, then lead and parent them. 
The problem with karaoke parents is they don't often provide their kids with clear parameters that build security and self-esteem. The parents are more concerned with being liked than with being respected. These parents often become the style because they fear rejection from their kids. Uh, so you know these type of parents. Uh, when you think back to your time in high school, these were the parents that let their kids have parties at their homes, back, uh, lake houses, or ranches all the time. Uh, you probably saw uh, that play out uh, with karaoke parents. The next type is dry cleaner parents. These are parents who are too busy or don't feel gifted parenting, so they just trust their children's well-being with others to care for them. Uh, they're accustomed to a culture that allows them to drop off any possession to get professionally cleaned or corrected or repaired. The problem is that dry cleaner parents don't furnish their kids with mentoring and personal face-to-face -face time they need, uh, and their children never grow up having any relational connection with their own parents. Man, if you grew up over-programmed or having so many multiple specialized coaches, tutors, teachers, um, and rarely remember your parents ever teaching you something or learning from them, you might have experienced a dry cleaner parent. Uh, the next type of parent is a volcano parent. So it's not just angry parents, but it's a particular variety of parent who erupts suddenly and without warning over relatively minor issues. The problem with these parents is some have unrealized dreams for their past, uh, sometimes an unhealthy past, and they try to fulfill their dreams through their children. The child represents the best way for the parent to accomplish the dream he or she gave up years earlier. So if the child messes up, they see their dream disappearing again and get really mad. And these are the type of parents that they just lose it at sporting events or other performances of their children. Um, maybe they don't necessarily lose it at the sporting event, but you've heard of stories about after the child gets home, they just tear into them. The next type of parent is a dropout parent. These parents may start out parenting or excited for their new child, but somewhere along the way, they drop out when things get hard. They just give up. It doesn't necessarily mean they have parents that abandon them or leave them, but they just stop engaging. They may stay around physically, but they drop out emotionally. Um, the problem with these parents is they fail to provide a healthy role model of finishing what they start. And in some cases, they fail to provide the tools their children need. Often these parents had kids at an early age or weren't mature enough to start having kids in the first place. Really, you can know if you either had a dropout parent or you can know if a parent was a dropout parent if you never really saw them. In most cases, uh, maybe another kid has all their attention because of illness or some other thing, uh, but the parent just felt absent from the child's life. Uh, the next parent is a bullied parent. Uh, these parents have given up discipline in a response to their own children's strong will or repeated rebellion. They have often just to surrender their role of authority. Although not happy with defeat in parenting, they find solace in the peace of just letting the child do what they want uh, and control the situation. The problem with this style is the parent lacks courage and strength to lead their strong-willed children and prepare them for a potentially harsh adult world. Children then get used to getting their way and have difficulty with authority that doesn't bend to their will going forward in life. It's pretty self-explanatory, but essentially this uh, kid got whatever he wanted, whatever he wanted. Um, if you remember Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, it's the kid that wanted the golden goose. She kept saying, I want it now, I want it now, and their parents bent to their will. Second to last type of parent we'll look at is the groupie parent. They were viewed as they viewed their children as stars who are to be honored, served, and have every whim catered to. They make sure that they are available to applaud at any possible moment. The problem with this type of parenting is the child are raised as the center of the family and ultimately the world. And parents fail to realize that kids need leaders, not servants. Uh, these are the parents that never missed a performance uh, or never failed to show up for anything the child did, which doesn't necessarily seem wrong. But what it manifests itself to is even when the child didn't achieve anything, uh, man, they're just catered to. So I've noticed even uh, at college or high school graduations that maybe their kid didn't get an honor, maybe not a valedictorian, maybe they didn't get summa, magna, or cum laude, but their parents don't want them to miss out. So they create for them their own special honor and make them wear it on graduation. It's embarrassing. Um, the last type is the commando parent. So this is the very authoritative style, almost always very well-intentioned, but can cause damage when it offers more rules than relationship. One or more parents adopt the role of a drill sergeant who expects 
perfection from both kid and child. Instead of flexing with the messes that come with raising kids, these parents demand everything to be just right. The problem with this type of parenting is it's focused on getting compliance and perfection rather than growth and improvement. The child may almost permanently live in anxiety, frustration, or exhaustion from just trying to meet expectations. Usually this, these parents are like military families, a political family, or other high-achieving family. Or maybe it comes from a parent who is just a coach uh, and just pushed you really hard in one area of your life. It, those children never feel like they were good enough. So a caveat to all of these. Most, if not all, these parents tried their best. And no one is perfect. Parents are broken and are trying to raise their kids in a broken world. So I don't say these things in a way to bash your parents or tell you that it was black and white. Your parents have to fit into one of these categories. But most likely, your experience with your parents probably fit somewhere into one of these molds. Which of the descriptions of the parents that I just read off connects most with you and your experience growing up? If you need more time, you can go ahead and pause the audio again. But I'm going to go ahead and transition this. Again, I'm not here to bash your parents because like I mentioned earlier, there are a, variety, there are a varying degree of experience of people who are listening to this and how we connect to our parents. But it would help us understand how we can appreciate our parents and understand how we can relate to them going forward if we understand what a, uh, a biblical role of parenting is supposed to be. So think about it. If you had to boil down the role of a parent to one sentence, what would you say? Dr. Elmore says the role of a parent is to prepare the child for the path and not the path for the child. I'm going to read off a couple of scriptures. Uh, I'm going to summarize some and give you the actual passage for others just to give you an idea of what the Bible calls parents to do. Proverbs 22.6 says that we are to train a child in the way he should go so that when he is older, he will not turn from it. Meaning, hey, as we are raising children, we are supposed to help them see the path they are supposed to go so that they will not deviate from what is right. Proverbs 29.15 says, A rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. So, hey, we are supposed to impart wisdom early on by disciplining our child. Discipline is healthy. It's supposed to be a part of showing them what's right and wrong, shaping their character. Isaiah 30, 18 talks about parents needing to tell their children about God and His faithfulness. We need to show them truth about who God is, uh, how He created us, what our purpose is in life, uh, what our authority is. Proverbs 4, 3 talks about children being cherished by their mother. Hey, as parents, children should be cherished by their parents. It's a gift. Uh, we should feel that there is a treasuring, there's a blessing that comes with kids. 2 Corinthians 12, 14 uh, says that children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. Meaning a role of a parent is to financially provide for their kids and themselves so that the children don't feel the weight of financially providing for their children later in life. The last one we're going to look at is Psalm 127, 4 through 5. It talks about how children are a blessing and a reward. It says that children are like arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior. It says, blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. So it's like, hey, children in the hands uh, of a parents are like arrows with a mighty warrior. I mean, the more we have, essentially, the better. Uh, and that arrows are supposed to be uh, launched out. They're not supposed to be with us forever. Uh, Ruth Schwink says this about raising children. She says it's about straightening what's crooked sanding the rough spots, sharpening the point of the arrow, adjusting the feathers, dedicating time to target practice. It's making sure the arrow understands its purpose, the reason uh, it will someday be free in flight. So the illustration here from Psalm 127 and then what Ruth's uh, quote was is that, hey, children are supposed to at some point be launched out and we are preparing them as parents to be launched out. And so my definition for what a parent should be is to lovingly support, challenge, and develop children to live independently from their parents and step into the role and purpose God created them to fulfill. As we see from the scriptures, at some point, 
the job of a parent shifts dramatically. The shift happens in the transition between preparing the child to be launched out and to actually launching them out and letting be on their own. Usually there are two types of people when they hear the role of a parent. As a child, uh, they hear, hey, I'm nervous about being launched out and I don't want to be on my own, or I can't wait to be on my own. Depending on which person you are, you may run into the problem of a parent that doesn't want to launch you out, but also doesn't know how, uh, or maybe you felt, hey, I've been launched out too early. Jesus modeled for us what mentality we should have and how we should approach our parents in these situations. We'll see starting in verse 42. It says, When he was 12 years old, they, his parents, went up to the festival according to the custom. 12 years old. Why is that significant? Well, what happens in the Jewish culture when a boy turns 13? The Jews uh, celebrate what's called bar mitzvah. It's the passage of a boy to a man. Has anyone ever been to one of those things? When I was 13, I felt like I went to several, and it were some of the biggest parties I'd ever been to in my whole life. It's a big deal. I remember one of my friends in junior high made uh, around five grand just by having his bar mitzvah because people were celebrating him becoming a man. You know, back then in Jesus' time, it was custom that parents brought their 12-year-old sons to help them prepare spiritually uh, for when they would turn 13. This was another sign that Joseph and Mary were good parents to Jesus. At 12 years old, Jesus is in a traditional transition period of his life between being a child and becoming a man. In order for us to better understand this transition, I wanted to also look up what the Bible says as a role of a child uh, in the scriptures. Exodus 12, 20 says to honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So as a child, you're supposed to honor your father and mother, meaning your actions in your life are supposed to bring them honor. Luke 18, 29 through 30 said children must obey their parents. We see that again uh, in Ephesians 6, 1. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Going back to the Luke 18 passage, it says, Children must leave their parents. So not only are you supposed to honor your parents, you're supposed to obey them, but there's supposed to be this anticipation of leaving your parents. 1 Timothy 5.4 says, Children, put this religion into practice Meaning, hey, this is what's going to show that you are walking deeply with God is that you are to care for your family while you are living with them. So we're think, supposed to think intentionally about how we can care for our family, not just take from them. And then Leviticus 19.30 says, Each of you must respect your mother and father and observe my Sabbaths. So, hey, we're supposed to honor, care, obey, serve, and respect our parents. So a child's role, here's a small definition, is a child is supposed to honor, respect, obey, serve, learn, and care for your parents while you're under their leadership. For most of you, this is probably the first time that you've ever heard a definition of your role as a child under your parents' leadership and care. So I'm assuming as you were hearing this, you probably thought of every way this wasn't true of you during the last 18 to 20 years of your life. But here's the real question. Though this was supposed to be true of you a few years ago, is this still true of you now? 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things behind me. So these things were supposed to be true of you as a child. But would any of you still consider yourself children? You know, traditionally at age 12, Jewish boys would go with their fathers to this festival, like I mentioned earlier, and, uh, to get a preview of the responsibilities they would have the following year. Think of it like a college visit. Hey, I'm going to see what my life will look like before I actually get there. This is what is going to be expected of you. Well, what would actually be expected of a Jewish boy back then once he turned 13? Well, one is that he would have full responsibility for his career and finances. Meaning at the age of 13, he would start an apprenticeship 
with some kind of job, whether it be a fisherman like the disciples, a carpenter like Jesus, tent maker like Paul. Uh, it could also be they would step into like the rabbinical lines of being a spiritual leader. The second thing uh, is they would take uh, like family responsibility. So they would begin preparing themselves for marriage. A lot of people in this culture uh, got married around 14 to 16 years old, if you could believe that. And the last thing is they were now spiritually responsible uh, for their own relationship with God. They had to own their faith. No longer would they be reliant on what their parents believed, but they had to show up to the temple for these annual sacrifices. They had to pray. Their spiritual life was in their own hands. Now imagine your junior high self in all your preteen glory, knowing what job you'd be doing for the rest of your life, having the maturity to take 100% responsibility of every aspect of your life, whether it be spiritual or financial, and also being fully prepared to be married and start a family by the time you're a freshman in high school. Those are massive responsibilities. You guys can't see it, but I wish I could show you a picture of me when I was 12 years old. I was beyond fat. I was massive. I couldn't even make myself walk on a treadmill back then, let alone take 100% responsibility for these areas of my life. In junior high, my priorities were eating, clearly, going to school, playing video games, and trying not to be awkward around girls. That's eating, going to school, playing video games, and trying not to be awkward around girls. You know, now that I think about it, that actually sounds like most guys in college. Not much has changed. So again, when does this transition happen from childhood to adulthood? When do we grow up in our culture? Unfortunately, we've blurred when this happens. You know, the term adolescence, which some of you are familiar with, uh, wasn't created until around World War I. You see, back then, students around 13 years old uh, would either drop out of school and go immediately work with their parents. Uh, and so there was no need for adolescence. It was like, hey, as soon as I start working, that's when I grow up. But around World War I, they extended the age of schooling and made it more of a priority. And so from 13 to 16, there was this kind of intermediate transition period from like grade school as a child to like, hey, my responsibilities as an adult at 16. However, in a recent article by the Wall Street Journal, some sociologists actually extended the age of adolescence from 16. Based on the behaviors that they observed, they said that adolescence has been extended to 27 years old. 27! The reason why they extended that age is because of what they observed. They said that uh, they noticed that people were living back at their parents' house at a greater rate. 50% of postgrads will move back home to begin their career, and they don't mind it. Said that most college graduates are not financially independent. They're under crippling credit card or student loan debt. A lot of college students, fearful of taking the next step in their life, will enroll themselves in perpetual secondary education whether it's grad degrees, uh, master's degrees, doctorates. He said most college students have a lack of self and emotional awareness. They have a lack of awareness of their own aptitude or talent. They lack healthy and challenging relationships and friendships that push them to grow. You know, a growing number of college students today might look physically like an adult, and they might be in an adult environment, but from a maturity perspective and from a thought process perspective, they're still in junior high. So I want you to take some time right now. Think about this. Talk about it with someone next to you or reflect on it on your own. What are ways you've experienced either yourself or others around you act more like a child needing a parent rather than an adult living independently. Here are some examples of things I've come up with. I asked some students and some staff, some friends of mine, 
Here are ways that I think college students still act like a child needing to be parented. A lot of college students today still can't wake up on time, and a growing percentage of college students still get frequent wake-up calls from their parents in the morning. College students need parents to set up appointments for them, whether it be doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, you know, mechanic stuff for their car, or even hair appointments. College students today have someone else know their schedule better than they do. So an example you guys might realize is maybe when someone even asked you to come to SMC, you said, let me check if I'm free. But that didn't mean look at my calendar. That meant let me call and ask my parents if I'm available. Your parents handle your own problems, whether that's emailing professors or advisors about grades, tests, and majors. That can also include your parents handling your legal issues. Maybe it's your public intoxications. Maybe it's your... uh, you know, your speeding tickets. Maybe it's, you know, you breaking the honor code at school, or maybe it's housing lease infractions at your dorm or apartments because you busted exit signs or kicked in the elevant elevator doors or ripped water fountains off the walls. Maybe it's you talk to your parents multiple times a day and overly rely on their emotional and relational support. You know, This is well-documented and has gotten so bad that some companies are actually sending out two offer sheets to graduating seniors who secure a job with their company, one for the potential employee and one for the employee's parents. Some companies are even inviting parents to go on job interviews with them. Herein lies the problem. For those that identify their parents as being one of the descriptions that I mentioned earlier, But yet what I also just read off describes you. An unhealthy relationship with your parents can keep you stuck in the transition between a child and adult. What that means is as long as you keep living like a child, your parents will keep treating you like one. As a college student, the best way to honor your parents while still growing in independence is to embrace adulthood. Jesus is going to show us three ways that we can do that. In verse 43, it says, After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. I know what you're thinking. You're like, Jacob, I thought you said these were good parents. How could they have left their son in a city that he doesn't live in and be unaware of it? Is this like the biblical version of home alone? I stand by my statement. Joseph and Mary weren't bad parents. They just didn't communicate with one another and made a faulty assumption. So back then, groups traveled in massive caravans. And the way they traveled were the children were actually went first, women were second, and then the men in the back, so the men didn't outpace everyone and leave them behind. Mary thought that Jesus was in back of the caravan with Joseph and the other men, since this was Joseph showing Jesus how to be a spiritual leader. This is what this whole trip was for. But Joseph, knowing that Jesus wasn't yet a man, thought he was in front with the other children and Mary. There's confusion. Is my son an adult or a child? Jesus steps into this confusion and makes an adult decision apart from his parents to stay behind in Jerusalem. But his parents were unaware of it. The word unaware means not to perceive, feel, or understand. Sometimes we can make foolish decisions that our parents aren't aware of. Give you a couple examples. I remember in seventh grade, my buddy would steal his mom's Escalade every night for three weeks in a row and take a joyride to come pick us up. One night, he he drove that stolen Escalade into the kitchen of his neighbor's house. That's a foolish decision that his parents weren't aware of. I remember another friend of mine throwing a party at their parents' ranch. He took 40 pictures of the ranch house beforehand to make sure everything was returned back to normal. But he forgot to take all the trash out, so his parents found out. This was a foolish decision that his parents weren't aware of. See, Jesus wasn't making a foolish decision. In fact, Jesus doesn't make foolish decisions, and I'll show you why in the next couple of verses. 
But Jesus is making an adult decision while his parents are unclear and confused whether he's an adult or a child. Has anyone listening to this ever experienced or felt that confusion? Are there times when you feel like your parents made one decision for you that made you feel like a child, and on the other hand, had an expectation that you act like an adult? Maybe it's the way they treat you or the way that you respond doesn't make it clear whether you're a child or an adult. There's lots of missed expectations. And for you going forward, missed expectations are the things that create conflict, frustration, and bitterness. I'll say some examples. Maybe it's your dad setting you up with an internship you didn't ask for. Or maybe it's your mom setting up your college room for you. Maybe because you had a rush or uh, you know you had the first week of class, so your, your mom moves down, gets a hotel room, and while you're away, they set up your room for you. Maybe it's your parents deciding a major for you or deciding which college you should go to, or maybe it's giving you an allowance, but it still feels like it has strings attached. Maybe for some of you, it's your parents dictating when you have to be home or that you have to go on a family vacation or trip. Maybe it's using finances, it's tuition, or your fraternity dues to manipulate decisions for you. You could also be showing confusion, though. Let me ask you this. When you came home, how were you during the holidays? Did you ever cook a meal for your family? Did you ever clean up your dishes? Did you clean up other people's dishes? Did you sleep in almost every morning? Did you eat all your parents' food and never offer to buy them groceries or restock their fridge? Did you bring a massive thing of laundry home for your parents to do for you? Did you thank your parents at any time over the last three weeks for doing any of the above, above things you just expected them to do? If you were confused, frustrated, or even bitter right now at your parents or the decisions they're making for you, <clears throat> it's because there is confusion and missed expectations for your relationships. And now it's your responsibility to step in and provide clarity. So when are you supposed to do that? Right now. College is the best time for you to grow into a, the adult you need to be and not prolong being the child you want to be. Doing this will greatly benefit your relationship with your parents. I'm going to give you three ways that we can embrace adulthood in college. Embracing adulthood, like we said earlier, means to honor your parents and step into independence. So the first way we can embrace adulthood is to take the responsibility to provide clarity for your relationship between you and your parents. A couple ways you can do this. You should thank your parents for parenting you. It's a tough job. I don't know your individual situation, but again, I'm sure your parents did the best they could with what they had. If your parents connect that you recognize how tough parenting is, they will start treating you differently because they will feel appreciated. The second thing you can do to provide clarity is you can apologize for childish behavior in your past. I remember I had a moment in college where I confessed to all the stupid and foolish things I did. Sneaking out, cheating on tests, etc. I just had a moment where I came clean. I apologize for my childish behavior. The last thing you can do to provide clarity is tell them you want to take on more of the responsibilities for your own life. One of the biggest ways is decision making. You could say this verbatim. You could say, I realize that you, my parents, have taken uh, significantly, have had more life experience than I have. And I appreciate all the wisdom and advice you've given me. And I still want to get your advice. But one thing I love from you is that when I come to you with some challenges, decisions, or big opportunities, I'd love the transition from asking your permission to asking your advice. I'll say that again. Hey, a way you can provide clarity to your parents is to tell them that you'd love to transition your relationship from one of asking permission to asking advice. So take some time on your own right now. How do you think these conversations will benefit your relationship with your parents? We're going to move on to the rest of the passage. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. 
Everyone who had heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? Jesus asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then they went down to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. You see, Jesus wasn't confused about his maturity, his identity, or his purpose. It was the people around him who were confused. Jesus was moving at this stage in the scripture from being responsible to an earthly parent to being responsible to God. On this trip, he was just told that he needed to take responsibility for his spiritual life, his purpose, and his future. So he's going to do that right now. He's, staring, he's staying where he needs to be, doing the things he needs to do. Some background on what's going on. A lot of people who lived outside the city didn't have access to the temple or access to the teachings of the spiritual leaders. And so when they would go to Jerusalem or to the city, they would go and hang out on the terrace outside the temple. And on a daily basis, the teachers of the law would come out and they would teach the law uh, to people who wanted their questions answered. Jesus was doing this. He went to this moment and said, Hey, if I'm supposed to have an idea of what I'm supposed to do, I need to go and be in God's house and hear God's law. Bill Gates, who at one time was the richest man in the world, uh, was obviously obsessed with computers. He, he started one of the most successful uh, software companies in the world. But when he was 14, he would sneak out of his parents' house between 2 and 5 a.m. to sneak into the local college where the only computer in his town was to write code for a few hours each night. By the time he got to college, he dropped out after his sophomore year to start Microsoft. You see, Jesus wasn't acting in disobedience to his parents, uh, but he was acting in obedience to God and the purpose for which he was sent. John 18.37, later in Jesus' life, he said, The reason I was born was to testify to the truth. What we see here, Jesus, when he was 12, say, I needed to be around truth. If I'm supposed to testify to truth, I need to be able to see, know, understand, and be able to teach truth myself. This is why college is so important, because the physical distance that you experience from your parents often gives you the false impression that you are growing in independence from them. But it isn't the physical distance, but it's what you're doing during that period of time. That's why I think a lot of people move back home after college because they were only physically independent from their parents, nothing else. I remember the night I graduated from high school, I told my mom I was never living at home again. It wasn't to be mean, but I was staking uh, my purpose into the ground. I was setting a boundary that when I left for college, I was not coming back home. In fact, I was more worried about the relationship with my mom than my dad and kind of her being overbearing in my time in college. So I actually told my mom uh, right before I left that she wasn't going to come with me to drop me off because I knew that my relationship with my mom could be the one potentially keeping me in childish ways. You want to make an impression in college. You want to stand out. I think something that could be good for you is saying, I'm not leaving this campus until I know exactly who I am and what I'm supposed to be. The second way that we can embrace adulthood in college is to take responsibility to discover what purpose God has for your life. A few ways you can do that, a few ways you can take responsibility for yourself, is start scheduling your own appointments. Whether it's man vehicle maintenance, whether it's medical doctor's appointments, whether it's dentist appointments, whether it's hair or getting your hair cut, whatever it is, start making those appointments on your own now. Another thing you can do is start taking some risks and do things you could fail at, especially without the safety net from your parents. Uh, take things that uh, give you opportunities to fail. Uh, and when you're allowed to fail, you learn how to respond to failure, which is invaluable. And if you have a desire to push through failure, uh, and if you want to learn what you're good at, as opposed to just being artificially propped up by your parents, take some chances to fail. Another thing you could do is, hey, maybe that means taking different classes. I've been told my whole life I was going to this university, I was going to get this major, but maybe it's not what you're actually interested in. Take some classes and figure out what you're interested in. 
Another thing you can do to take responsibility for yourself is doing something else with your time away from school. I don't know if you know this, but once you graduate high school, you have one and a half years of non-class days before you gra graduate college. That's summers, Christmas breaks, spring breaks, holiday breaks, one and a half years of time that you can invest in understanding who you are and what God's purpose is for your life. What if you took that time and invested it in to figure out who you are and what you're supposed to do? Now, just like what Jesus experienced, parents or other people have different expectations for you. But embracing your adulthood can involve not bending to the expectations of others and taking responsibility for yourself. So another breakout or reflection question. In what ways have you felt pressure from your parents to do or take a certain path in life? One of the things I love about the passage that we just covered is we also see how parents will respond when you begin to embrace your adulthood and desire to shift your relationship with them. Jesus' parents were amazed. They didn't understand, but then they ultimately treasured. So I wanted to look more what those stages could look like. So as you are beginning to embrace adulthood, remember that your parents are also going to respond to this desire to shift your relationship, to step into adulthood. Just like Jesus' parents, it says they were amazed. That word amazed in the Greek is explosio. It's where we get the word expel. Uh, it means that, hey, I am losing and removing a previous belief and am gaining a new one. I'm amazed. At this. this is a new understanding for me. They're losing one understanding of one belief and replacing it with another. That's what happened. They might be amazed. They might be stunned is a better word. The second thing that your parents might do is they may not understand at all. They may not understand or even disagree with your desire to take more responsibility for yourself. They may, they may fear losing control of you or losing a connection with you, or they may fear for your safety or your failure. This is new territory for them. They've had one role in your life, and the conversation that you are having with them will be new territory. They may not understand your desire to step into adulthood. The last thing, and hopefully one that we'll all experience, is just like with Jesus, it said Mary treasured all these moments in her heart, meaning she guarded them, she held on to them, she stored them up for the future, keeping these in mind. Eventually, your parents will realize and take pride in that you've grown up. They can finally relax and enjoy their next stage in life and really only have to be concerned with their own lives because they see that you are mature enough to not only take care of your life, but that you're on the right path, that your future is bright and in your control. Your parents just spent 18 years making the majority of the decisions for you, feeling the weight of your protection, development, and invested significant emotional energy and care into you. They have a lot invested in you, so it may take some time, but you need to be firm and patient in having these conversations. The last verse we'll look at is uh, verse 52. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. That word grew is prokopto, uh, which is where we get the word to progress or to advance. Once Jesus initiated, initiated this relational transition with his parents, he began to focus on these areas to show his maturity so that they could trust his decision. Think about it. It's like, hey, you just have this massive conversation with your parents about embracing adulthood and taking responsibility. One of the best things you can do is own up to that conversation and show them that you, that you are worth trusting. Grow in these areas so that you can develop a track record. You know, as you enter into these hard conversations with your parents, you need to show them by your actions that you're serious. Develop a track record with yourself so that you can actually be taking yourself seriously for adult responsibilities. So the final way that you can embrace adulthood is take responsibility for the progression of your own independence as an adult. So you want some independence, you want responsibility, you want a better relationship with your parents, intentionally grow in the following areas. Show your parents intentional development in your wisdom. Show them how you're making decisions, that you're making wise decisions, 
that when you come home and spend time in their house, that your decision-making looks more like an adult than a child. Grow in your stature, how you carry yourself. Hey, how do you interact with other adults? How do you talk with them? Are you asking them questions about their life or is everything about you and centered on you? How do you carry yourself in, in the environments that you're in? He says he grew in favor with God. So how are you investing in your spiritual life? How are you connecting with God? Are you making that a priority? Are you intentionally making decisions to develop in your spiritual life? Show your parents that you're taking on adult responsibilities by taking on the responsibility of your spiritual life. And last one, growing in favor with man. How are you connecting with others? Do your relationships look healthy? Do you have people around you that are pushing you to grow? Are you finding mentors that are challenging you? Are you connected with people that are bums? Uh, John Maxwell, who's a leadership guru, says that you become the average of the five people closest to you. And are you connecting with people that your parents see as responsible, that your parents see as successful? Grow in your favor with others. Now, as we wrap up, I wanted to end with this. You've got only a small amount of time left with your parents for the rest of your life. But it can be the best time of your relationship with them. Help them finish their role as parent by launching yourself out. Honor them with your character, your decision-making, and your pursuit of the Lord. It may take some hard and uncomfortable conversations, and it may be help being patient with them as they try to understand why you were wanting to take on some of these adult responsibilities. But eventually, just like Mary, they will treasure and look back fondly on how you've matured, how you've embraced adulthood. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for this example. I thank you that Jesus grew up so that we could have a model for how we're supposed to do it ourselves. God, I thank you that he uh, embraced uh, the responsibility of developing himself. I thank you that he uh, embraced the responsibility of bringing clarity uh, with his relationship with his parents. God, I thank you that he uh, embraced the responsibility of discovering his purpose in life. God, I pray that's true of all of us. I pray that uh, people that hear this um, breakout or this workshop, that they would go home, they would process what they want to do in life, what responsibilities they want to take, and they would have a conversation to do that. I pray that uh, the relationships with uh, the parents of these college students would improve, and they would say that the next few years would be the best time that they have with their parents relationally. God, I pray that these students would embrace adulthood, that when they graduate, they're prepared more for the world that they will face. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.